재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Bringing you stimulating discussions on current affairs Discover the best of news and current affairs Primetime on TBS EFM Richard Marks, who is a famous singer and happened to be a spectator to all of this. But what we want to find out is uh, these incidents seem to be on the rise. And what are the various psychological and environmental factors that could trigger this kind of behavior? And we're very pleased to have joining us Professor of Organizational Psychology and Health at Manchester Business School, Sir Kerry Cooper. Hello. Uh, Hello, Henry. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, joining us, Professor. Uh, According to some of these studies and and data that is available, the number of air rage incidents seem to be on a steady rise. Um, It might be just because people are reporting it more often or not, or there are some anecdotal uh, issues at play here. But if we accept the fact that it is indeed rising, why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a, a, a number of reasons. I mean, we know some of the predisposing factors like alcohol consumption, people's stress levels when they board a plane. But I think we're getting rages everywhere. We're getting more road rages, more trolley rages in supermarkets. We're getting it in. I think it's the frenetic pace of life that we're leading. You add to that when you go aboard a plane, the stress that you experience in international travel, the uh, fact that your uh, people are consuming given alcohol all the time uh, or have alcohol available all the time. And I think if you mix that together and I, and we're doing, you know, people are for from work of um, uh, a work point of view are traveling much more, even though we have the technology to do, you know, Skyping and the like uh, and to do video conferencing still business people are getting on planes, they're lonely, they're stressed by the, the amount of travel they do, they drink, and then they just, they're, and, and they may have some problems in their home life or elsewhere, which they, which they vent once they have uh, enough alcohol in their body. Well, this individual, this uh, Korean man who was on board a, a Korean Air flight in first class, apparently had consumed large amounts of alcohol, a bottle of whiskey, uh, before he had even boarded. He was incoherent when the police uh, held him, and he he couldn't answer any questions, so they eventually let him go, which uh, I suppose caused some criticism as to how they handled the event. Is that kind of a case a little bit more on the extreme or unusual side than what we're used to um, kind of terming as? air rage well to be honest with you i mean the airline probably should have or or the staff the crew should have recognized that this man was already probably over the limit Mm. should not have given him any more alcohol should have looked at the signs i mean this is a behavioral thing isn't it you can tell when somebody's slurring when they're being rude to the crew uh, there's a whole load of behavioral indicators that should have told the crew 
at a very early stage that we have to watch this guy and that we, uh, you know, don't give him alcohol. I don't care whether he's going first class, business class, or whatever class he's going. You know, you have to do something and you have to be pretty vigilant now, particularly on an airplane, uh, and be very, very careful. So the, the signs are the signs should have been there if already he had consumed alcohol before he entered the plane. Um, and they should have found a way of dealing with him, talking to him directly and saying, I'm sorry, sir, you know, um, we're not allowed to serve people who already uh, seem to us to be right. slightly over the limit. And, that, and that's the way it should have been dealt with. I'm, I'm shocked to hear that actually he was let go at the end of I didn't know that at the end of the incident, because otherwise it sends a funny message. Well, they, they apparently couldn't even interrogate him because he was completely, uh, he was, he was uh, I guess to use a colloquial term, he was uh, so wasted that, that he couldn't even respond to any, any questions. But yeah, the decision to and let, they him let him go. And they let him go. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy because but, if they, they really do have to fine him or do something in order to send the message that this is not kind of acceptable behavior. Ultimately, what may end up happening, by the way, is airlines may have to say, look at, you know, like they have no smoking. Mm-hmm. This is an alcohol-free zone. Right. You know, that when you go on a long-haul flight or, you know, you can't, it's just, if it's an hour flight, people are unlikely to be able to get too drunk. But if you're going on a long-haul flight, um, you know, you, you shouldn't be able to, uh, uh, you know, th- or you limit it. You say maybe only everybody's only allowed one drink or something. I mean, we may have to get to that stage if the number of incidents continue to rise. The one question I have in regards to that uh, is whether there's a cultural factor involved here, because uh, Korean Air, as well as Asiana, they're actually quite well known for the level of service they provide. And there is somewhat of a, I don't want to just term it as an, an Asian aspect to it, but this level of service and deference given, especially for those who, who shell out the money to, to pay for a first class ticket, it kind of, I wouldn't say they don't excuse bad behavior, but they will tend to look the other way, especially if it's a, a customer that's known to fly frequently, has, has always purchased first-class tickets. And it, it does pose a bit of a dilemma, does it not? Yeah, you're right. There's, I think there really is a cultural issue here. So if I think if you were in Europe, uh, you wouldn't get that kind of deference. They're very, very... Uh, vigilant when it comes to people who've overconsumed when they board even when they board a plane they will notice it they will confront that person you'll get that on quite a lot of european airlines mm-hmm. i suspect on american airlines as well, various north american airlines as well i think you're right there is a deference issue there and you know but they'll have to come to terms with that uh, the asian airlines because it's it it potentially is too much of a problem think about all the predisposing factors this a person gets on a plane, maybe a business person, maybe a bit lonely, maybe has problems in his or her life, consumes a lot of alcohol as a means of think, you know, getting rid of it, and also the loneliness and the stress of flying, and then they just, you know, they take it out on crew uh, or fellow passengers uh, because they have something they need to get out that's more deep-rooted in, in their lifestyle or in their right. problems they may have outside of that. And I think really airlines have to understand the dilemma they've got. And if they're just a tin box, 
there's no way out of it. And on a flight, it's potentially very dangerous to have somebody like this on it. I want to then, uh, it's not necessarily a, a, a parallel or an analogous situation, but uh, back to the country where uh, you and I are both originally from, in the United States, where there is this sort of heightened sense of fear that people have when riding airplanes. It, you wonder if there's almost a uh, an opposite sort of extreme effect of Let's say that one uh, example recently of there was this man who happens to be a professor of mathematics of Italian descent. So he was maybe a bit swarthy, but he was writing down these mathematical equations uh, ahead of a seminar that he was giving. And that's why he was on the plane. The lady next to him thought he was writing some kind of um, Arabic, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, chant for Allah and got him to actually have the officials uh, detain him and take him off the plane. There, We do have to find some kind of balance, right? Oh, we do have to find balance. I mean, you know what it is? It's all about the social skills of the crew, isn't it? Maybe we just don't do enough on that. What are the nonverbal cues you pick up mm-hmm. uh, and the behavioral cues you pick up as to somebody who may be high risk? Second is, how do you deal with them? What is the process of dealing with them? Because you may be over-exaggerating the risk, and you have to find a way of going through a kind of process of dealing with, with a person who you may be think at high risk or somebody who's beginning to behave inappropriately in the, in, on the plane. And you're right. You're absolutely right. You can go over the top and because of the, the ultimate fear. And remember, that's, that's the 9-11 fear. Mm-hmm. There's a whole – there's a, a lot of baggage from the 9-11, I think, associated with aircraft. Yeah. And so uh, that's to do with passengers as well as crew. It's about training the crew on how they should behave in different circumstances. I suspect there are airlines that already do that, but I don't know. I haven't actually talked to airlines about that. I, I must go find out because I think it's, it's interesting to see how they m- manage different scenarios and whether they do yeah. role playing and, and, and look at the, the appropriate cues and how they should behave. There are very different views on this in terms of how to handle it. The airlines are very diverse. Uh, we talked about culture. Uh, corporate policy could be very different as well. The airports uh, around the world also have different policies. Do you think there is a need to have some kind of multilateral agreement or look into try to come up with a protocol that could be universal, or is that sort of impossible? Oh, that's going to be very difficult to do. But you did highlight something I think is quite important. Uh, what about somebody who drinks before he even he or she even boards the plane? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the responsibility of the airport? <clears throat> excuse me, to ensure that somebody who's consuming alcohol, a large sum of uh, amount of alcohol, is uh, like they would. I mean, in the UK, for example. If you go to a pub and the bar, uh, the, the, the person at the bar, the bartender, has an obligation to ensure that they don't serve somebody who's going way over the limit, you know, mm. that their behavior would be adversely affected as a consequence. They might engage in antisocial behavior or whatever. I think maybe we should have more responsibility on the airports to ensure that they're not allowing people to drink too much before they enter, the, enter a plane. Yeah, and, and so again, you're right. It is, but I don't know if we'd ever get a nas- an international standard on this, other than to say um, we don't allow um, alcohol on flights anymore. Right, right. Perhaps. But not. I think that would be that seems to be a little bit over the top. But that's the only thing I could see that you could get perhaps international agreement on 
at some point in time and if a number of these incidents continue to rise. Interesting. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, Sir Kerry Cooper, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Henry.